Hello and welcome to the Insurance 2025 podcast with me, Scott McGee, Online Content Manager at Insurance Times. I'm very happy to be joined by Hugh Evans, the Director General at the Association of British Insurers. Thanks very much for joining me, Hugh. Hi, Scott. Um, so you're on the panel talking about the future uh, staff and skill set of staff in the insurance industry at Insurance 2025. I just, we'll dive straight in with the questions. Um, how has the skill set changed uh, for the new generation coming in to insurance compared to maybe 10, 15 years ago? Well, I think we're in the middle of that process of change, which is why the panel is a timely one, because we face a very urgent need to broaden the base of people who are attracted to our industry and who mm -hmm. come and work in it so that we can meet the challenges of a digital revolution that changes the, both the products that we offer and the way in which we engage with customers. And I think the industry has been working hard at this for some time now to try and broaden the base of people who come towards us so that we don't just attract, valuable though they are, people with maths and engineering degrees, but mm -hmm. we encourage people who have got different levels of education and can bring different levels of skills and service to our organisations. So I think we're in the middle of that process, not at the beginning, but certainly nowhere near the end. And getting it right over the next 10 years, as lots of other sectors are battling for the types of talent that they need, will be uh, absolutely critical. So is, it a is there a shift in, in, the, uh, in from maybe too much thinking about customer service to now needing to be you know, very good in lots of different sectors like customer service, like technology. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, with the, as, as has been reported, there's in claims especially, there's been a lot of um, getting rid of like the mundane tasks for, for staff there um, so that they can focus solely on the customer service side of it. Well, we're definitely in the middle of a process of greater automation of some aspects of the insurance process. Mm -hmm. uh, and machine-driven learning and AI is playing a greater part in our industry and will undoubtedly have an impact on some of the processes that were previously done by, by people. Uh, but I think we are still some way off being at an end state, if indeed you ever reach an end state, in terms of the, the sort of balance you describe. Because I think if you're a CEO of a, an insurance company, actually you need talented people in all aspects of your business. You're a highly re regulated sector, so you need very smart people who are running your actuarial models and who are in charge of your compliance and ensuring that you are meeting your regulatory requirements. But that can't be at the expense of empathetic, engaged people who are engaging with customers, particularly if they're making a claim and what may well be traumatic circumstances for them. But that can't be at the expense of smart, technical people who can ensure that the processes that then serve customers, whether it's actually in selling them a product or in make it, helping them make a claim, those processes have to be smarter, quicker, more intuitive than they have been in the past. So I think whichever bit of the, the an insurer that you look at, a CEO wants to feel in this day and age that you are attracting a broader range of skills in, a broader range of people from different backgrounds so that they can help you manage the challenge. And that in all of these areas, you need to make quite profound progress if you're going to be fit for the future. And so what about the people that have already been in the industry for, you know, decades maybe, um, who might not be as inclined to 
really keep up with the trends of today? Are they are they in danger or maybe being left behind by the new by the new crop coming in? I think it's difficult to generalise across such a big sector as ours. Yeah. This is the largest insurance sector in Europe, the fourth largest in the world. So it's quite hard to make generalisations, I think, across the whole industry um, uh, and across every type of job family. Mm. Uh, I think the longevity and experience that the insurance industry has from many of its employees at all levels of the organisation who have joined it perhaps at a relatively young age and have built their careers here is a massive strength to the industry and is one of the reasons why the UK remains a world leader. Mm. Within all our insurers, we have very significant levels of knowledge, expertise and institutional learning, if you like, and that is overwhelmingly a strength. But what is also the case, as I think those employees would be the first to recognise, is that none of us, whatever age we're at, whatever stage in our career we're at, can say that we will no longer develop professionally. Mm. We all have to learn new skills, whether they may be technical skills in terms of some of the elements of a digital society that we have to learn how to use. Uh, we've all been on that journey over the last 10 years with our phones and our laptops and our iPads. Uh, it's also true, I think, in terms of the way in which systems within insurers are being redesigned to work better for customers and for brokers and for other partners. Um, we all have to continue to sort of learn how to make those systems work. But I don't think that is a process that insurers and people who work for insurance companies haven't been engaged in in the last 30 years. The pace of change has speeded up, yeah. but this is an industry that has been changing quite profoundly in each of the, decade, the decades that have preceded this one. Uh, so I think most of our people are more used to change than perhaps we sometimes give them credit for. That's, that's a very fair point. Um, so with the new crop coming through, um, first of all, how do we attract people coming in, you know, people that are very tech savvy, who can, who are, who thrive in you know, mountains of data when they could probably enter in an industry that might have a more glamorous reputation than insurance. How do we, how do we bring those and, and entice them into, into this industry? Well, it's a huge challenge, but it's a vital one to get right. And I think there's there are a number of things that I think are important. The first is, you're right, we need to continue to work on our image so that people don't feel that if they, particularly if they come from an, uh, a tech background, that if they come to work for an insurer, then they've suddenly got to wear a shirt and tie, work nine to five, and you know become somebody different from who they are and the way in which they like to work. So the more that insurers innovate and become less stuffy and happy to have lots of different types of people with different vibes about them and different ways of operating under their roof, the better. Mm. And the more that people who come certainly from a more of a tech background come into our member firms and see people like them, then you can start to build up more of a virtuous sort of uh, yeah. uh, virtuous circle in terms of recruitment patterns. So that's one aspect of it. Secondly, just as an industry, we just have to get more diverse and inclusive, full stop. You know, we are at the moment missing out on significant amounts of talent who are either female or from a black minority ethnic background because we are not good enough at both attracting people into our industry, but critically, particularly in the case of women, in keeping them in our industry and helping them stay in our industry and thrive after they have children. That was the clear finding of research that the ABI put together last year. So, you know, there's a, both a challenge about 
welcoming in people into our industry who may think that it's not cool enough for them or that they won't be able to be themselves. But there's also just the challenge of reaching more deeply into the society we already have and tackling some of our challenges around diversity and inclusion. Because it's not just about doing the right thing, it's about having access to huge amounts of talent that at the moment is going to other sectors that are already more diverse and inclusive. So what's the answer? Well, the answer, I think, is for firms to continue to, certainly in large firms, you can't make change if you don't have a strategy and if you don't have executive sponsorship and if you don't put time and management effort into tackling the problem. And we are encouraged the ABI's own data on diversity and inclusion, which is this sort of industry benchmark for how we're doing, does show that three quarters of insurers now have a diversity and inclusion strategy. Uh, 88% of them have an exec sponsor. Uh, 80% of them have resource groups internally to help people. That's, that's vital infrastructure to drive things forward. It needs CEO sponsorship, but it's not enough. We know that uh, ultimately to succeed, we need to do particularly better at keeping women uh, in our industry. Uh, More of them enter the men at entry level, but they don't stay. Mm -hmm. And until we get better at keeping them, particularly when they start to have children uh, and take some parental leave, we don't crack that nut and we will not make any further progress. And that's why, for example, this industry needs to get a lot better at job shares, at flexible working and at harnessing the benefits of the digital revolution to enable us to work more smartly so that it is possible for more parents, particularly women, to be able to thrive in their careers, not just stand still uh, while holding down good jobs and continuing to contribute to the industry and being a good parent and having a healthy work-life balance. Yeah. Um, But you don't want it to become a case of positive discrimination do you um you want it to be the right person uh, for the job not and not um give it to someone because they're a woman or because they're from ethnic minority just to show that they just to show that you are doing something it has to be the right person for the job i don't i don't i think we are so far off getting anywhere near recruiting sufficient levels of people from either uh, sector that that we're somewhere off from actually being faced with the choice of whether you positively discriminate or not. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that that's a challenge. If you're getting closer to fifty-fifty, potentially, uh, we're nowhere near that challenge at the moment. No. When we only have twenty-one percent female representation of boards of our member companies, we are so far off positively discriminating. It's untrue. <laughs> so I think we need to put a lot more focus on. Uh, how having succeeded in attracting more women than men into our sector we actually get them and enable them to thrive so that they reach the top level in equal number we live in a society where there are broadly equal number of men and women Uh, that is not the world that you enter when you walk into an insurance company and we need to fix it okay so is there any example of a company that you think is doing really well at this Um, you know maybe ahead of others that other that insurers or maybe even brokers should take a leaf out of their, their book well as I said I think there's lots of good practice across the industry actually and what you sit what you're seeing as I say with our data showing that you know three quarters of insurers now have a strategy and 88 percent have an executive sponsor that actually most insurers are taking action so in some respects it's invidious to pick out one uh, versus the other but what I would draw attention to as I think others in the industry would too what Aviva have done in terms of equal parental leave mm-hmm. uh, I think is a really important sort of first step in demonstrating that this is not just about what we do so that it's easier for women to succeed and thrive in the insurance industry. 
It's about what we do to make ourselves a modern workforce where people who take equally response seriously their parental responsibilities and their responsibilities to their companies can thrive at both. Yeah. Uh, and the more that we develop a culture which recognises those as being uh, uh, equal imperatives, equally important imperatives, that we have to sort of hardwire into the way in which we work, the better. And I think therefore, Aviva's step on equal parental leave is a really important signal. And my understanding from within the company is that you know, it has been very popular. And having policies like that helps us attract different people into mm -hmm. our industry because it challenges their perceptions. And we know that particularly with younger um, talent, people under 30 in particular, the values of a company uh, really matter to them and they, they cite it all the time as one of the key things that they decide when they choose which employer to go and work for. So the more that we are embracing modernity and embracing uh, uh, HR policies like that as well as leaning into some of the challenges of the, the sort of wider world around climate change, financial inclusion and so on, the more that will draw people in. Okay, um, so you're speaking on this debate at Insurance 2025, are you looking forward to the, the event? How important are these sort of events, you know, in, in acknowledging this issue that, we're, that we are facing as an industry? I think they are important because we live in a time of very rapid change. And as an industry, I think opportunities to share good practice, to diagnose what's worked and what hasn't worked, and to learn from other sectors, these are valuable opportunities. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, conferences like this provide us an opportunity to do that, to share with each other our own experiences, and to make sure that as an industry, we are doing all we can collectively to tackle the people challenges that we face. Because ultimately, it's in all our interests to attract a wider diversity of people into our industry, a wider range of skills, to be able to meet our shared challenges, which are to engage customers in the choices that they have to make, to ensure that they have the best quality service uh, that they can get, and that the confidence and reputation, the confidence they have in the insurance industry and our reputation is improved and enhanced. That's in all our interests. Mm -hmm. These are shared challenges, so conferences like this are a good opportunity to work together to move things forward. Okay, great. Uh, you can catch Hugh Evans speaking at Insurance 2025 at the ETC venues in London St Paul's on the 3rd of July. Thank you very much for joining me Hugh and uh, we'll see you at Insurance 2025. Thanks Scott, look forward to the event.